snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. British writer Jane Austen once said, Novels are some work in which the greatest powers of the mind are displayed, in which the most thorough knowledge of human nature, the happiest delineation of its varieties, the liveliest diffusion of wit and humor are conveyed to the world in the best chosen language. Hailed by many as the most popular form of contemporary literature, novels not only heighten our sense and sensibility to the complexities of life and individuals, but also examine the greater truth of humanity with the made-up tales. So, in today's Ink and Quill, we'll take you to explore some extraordinary novels, some of which challenge the conventional norm of fictional writing, whereas some showcase the infinite possibilities in narrative details. Stay tuned for more. Chinese Nobel laureate Mo Yan once wrote, "Length, density, and difficulty are the symbols of a novel, and they also represent the dignity of this great art form." Indeed, for many novelists, the longer a novel is, the more valuable it will be. However, Lao Ma, a part-time writer, tries to use stories of extreme brevity to voice his retort. Let's follow Zhang Ru for more. Flash fiction is a unique literary genre that represents stories told within 300 to 1,500 words. Despite its short length, a flash fiction piece is able to contain all the classic story elements and reflect deep themes. Although the earliest flash fiction in China could be traced back to famed writer Pu Songlin's collection of supernatural miniatures and ghost stories written nearly 300 years ago, this particular literary style hasn't gained attention until the 1990s. Since then, it has spread across the nation. Lao Ma, the winner of the first Pu Songlin Short Story Prize, explains the reason behind its overdue popularity. Nowadays, the pace of life is very fast, so when we read, naturally, we want to obtain a huge amount of information in the shortest time period. Besides, in order to maintain emotional enjoyment. People don't want to read something too lengthy. Intrigued by this distinctive genre and interesting happenings in his life, Lao Ma has started to pen down social issues and the trivial acts of the ordinary. In his book *Individuals*, which was translated into English last year, the author collects 55 flash fiction pieces to dissect the absurdity of life. Here, you could find a professor who earns a lot through lectures, asking his wife to pay him in order to exchange words. A solitary school librarian fabricates an illicit love affair for public attention, and a lecturer gets promoted thanks to his diagnosis with terminal cancer. As a professor working at Renmin University in China, Lao Ma set most of the scenarios in academia. However, regardless of the relatively flat background, the characters are diverse, from arrogant scholars and hypocrites to simple-hearted men and obtuse nerds. Readers may find many tropes and personalities familiar. 
Lama says he hopes his work will strike a chord with readers. In this novel, people could find something more than themselves. The story is not about a strange world. Through the reading, people could somehow recognize everyone else in their lives. Although many vignettes are designed to be ironic or sarcastic, Lama has managed to deliver the scenes in an amusing manner. For example, in one chapter of Individuals, a pupil wrote a letter to a mayor expressing his desire to view nearby hills from the balcony of his house. Due to the air pollution, the boy hadn't seen the hills for months. The mayor was deeply moved by the correspondence and replied, "What this child says is very important. Be sure to make every effort to restore this child's eyesight." According to Yan Lianke, the Man Book International Prize shortlisted writer, it is humor that makes mass work stand out. Humor novels is extremely unique to China. For many foreigners, China is a country without humor. Indeed, Chinese people lack the sense of humor in their daily lives. We are slow to respond to something funny, but in his works, humor can be found everywhere. When questioned on the inspiration for individuals, Lama emphasizes that in the face of life, everything is funny. He believes that a good laugh can make a huge impact. The laugh I am talking about is not the unconscious laughter defined by Sigmund Freud. Instead, it is the laughter with consciousness. It belongs to the grassroots and ordinary people. Sometimes, a laugh could be seen as a mechanism to disclose something that keeps us in our right mind. Laughter could be used to alert people, criticize phenomena, or even overturn some inherent truths. Born with the name Ma Junjie, Lao Ma has published hundreds of flash fiction pieces since the 1990s. Many of his novels have been included among the lists for the 21st Century Annual Fiction Selection, China's Best Novellas, and a Century of Classic Micro Novels. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Welcome back. You are listening to Ink and Quill with Yang Yong. Romantic love has been an enduring subject in literature, as many contemporary romance authors tend to focus on saccharine young love. Taiwan-born writer Zhu Tianxing has tried to open up the less acknowledged romantic life after menopause. So, coming up, our reporter Liu Kuan will tell us more about Zhu's book, Love at Early Summer When Lotus Blossoms. We've entered middle age. Peach and plum blossoms have passed, and our love is like a lotus flower in early summer. A middle-aged man proposed to a widow one year older than him by saying that. Love at early summer when lotus blossoms opens with the above passage. The story then unfolds as the reader discovers how a couple approaching their sixties reflects on all the ups and downs of their relationship, both past and present, as they embark on the trip together. The author Zhu Tianxin talks about what inspired her to take on this subject matter. I chose a couple around the age of 60. They are loyal to each other and are willing to spend the rest of their lives with each other. And their children have all grown up, so there's basically nothing for them to worry about. 
But then, why do they feel that life is so bleak and desolate? Joe says many of her friends are having similar experiences, so she decides to write about it. She admits that she voluntarily took on an uphill task, writing about middle-aged love. While young love is full of passion and energy, middle-aged love is not easy to make interesting. Zhang Dachun, a novelist from Taiwan, says that reading the book is a dreadful experience, as it hits too close to home. Zhu says many male readers have claimed to have similar feelings. Many male readers are like the man in the book. He has a successful career and a good family. He is in the peak of his life. He thinks he's able to control everything, and he thinks he knows everything. Then he reads the book and finds out that there's so much to know about something he used to believe he was familiar with. Like his wife, it's like someday he might be pushed off a bridge by his wife, but he still knows nothing about her. Zhu Tianxin says her husband, who is also a writer, has already gotten used to the fact that reading her novels can sometimes be a heart-wrenching experience. We've known each other for more than 30 years, and he knows that his wife is always bigger in her novels than in real life. To him, the me he knows in real life is just a tip of an iceberg. And every time one of my new books come out, he says there's so much he doesn't know about me. Perhaps Zhang Dachun is right, and reading the book is a dreadful experience. Since the author has the guts to admit that when approaching middle age, the love is not there anymore. Once you accepted him in your life and your world, everywhere he went was rose-colored and smelled like the cherry blossoms under the sun, and your life was bright. But now the rose-colored and the cherry blossom smell have faded, and he loosens his hands, which once held you tightly, even in his dreams. And he says he is free and has set you free. You look at the vast gray land and are completely lost. You don't want to go anywhere. You just want to ask him. Then why did you pursue me in the first place? He simply does not love you anymore. Accept it. But the author admits that because she wants to probe into what people don't want her to see, writing has always been painful to her. I am used to intently watching what people don't want me to see, or what they think is inconvenient for me to look at. But that's the motivation of my writing. So it's understandable that writing for me is not an enjoyable or happy process. It's more of a struggle. If you are looking for a book not necessarily to raise your hope or spirit, but for a momentary pause to reflect on your life, Love at Early Summer When Lotus Blossoms is the one you should turn to. That was Liu Kun introducing us to Taiwanese author Zhu Tianxin's novel Love at Early Summer When Lotus Blossoms. Focusing on the emotional world of a couple approaching their sixties, the book investigates into the less passionate romance and commitment in middle age. Well, if you are not a big fan of the serene femininity in Jules' writing, but rather look for thrill and excitement, after this short break, we'll introduce to you a historical novel that might fit the bill. Stay tuned for more. Bestseller, smash hit. Page Turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry, and sigh.
For many novelists, writing historical fiction is quite a daunting challenge, since the fidelity of history must be shown while the story needs to be appealing to the readers of today. Particularly when you write about the past of other countries, the difficulties could not be greater. But British writer Adam Williams is not afraid to make some bold moves, and his engrossing China-themed trilogy is winning international acclaim. Doris Wong will investigate into his most celebrated saga, *The Emperor's Bones*, or in Chinese, *Qianlong's Skull*. What is the first thing that comes to your mind at the mention of the 1920s? Gangsters and bootlegging, or flappers in *The Great Gatsby*? But China didn't experience all those glamour of the Roaring Twenties. Trapped in a power struggle, the nation was nearly torn apart by warlords and military cliques, while the Japanese troops lurked in the northeast in hope of getting a piece of the country. Besides the history textbooks, very few literature works, even written by Chinese writers, have tried to re-examine that period extensively. Therefore, focusing on 1920s China. British writer Adam Williams' novel *The Emperor's Bones* is surely a rarity. The great thing about the 1920s is nobody knew what would happen. I mean, if you'd taken a bet on the Communist Party in 1927, people would think you were mad. I mean, they're being slaughtered in Guangzhou, Shanghai. They're running off to the mountains. How can they come and rule China? At the same time, with Japan slowly invading. How would the big Japanese empire be defeated? Nobody would know, and it was so full of ideas. All the elements of China's future are in those ten years, but it's like crucible. It's like a sort of chemical experiment, and so I thought that was a very good time to test all sorts of different. In that chaos, it's wonderful to have human stories. Loosely based on the experience of his family, who lived in northern China during that period, the author creates an uneasy world similar to T.S. Eliot's *Wasteland*. From the brutal battlefield of the northern expedition to the blood-soaked Shanghai massacre of 1927, the novel follows the eventful and thrilling lives of two young women to wipe away the dust and cobwebs of those long-gone days. Women are often victims of historical events in that sense. But the virtues of women are often the more compassionate ones. So, for the themes of my book, I mean, because this is these are books about suffering and strength out of suffering. I think often some of the the feminine characteristics are much stronger. One of the protagonists is a feisty, enduring Englishwoman named Catherine, who comes to China to find her father, but gets caught in a love triangle with two brothers. Another key character is Catherine's Oxford schoolmate Yu Fu Kui, a mistress of a warlord intelligence officer, as well as an idealistic Mo getting lost in the revolution of her country. Occasionally, the path of these two females would interlace together, but in most parts of the book, their fates and people around them are swept away in different directions. In that turbulent age when love could be questionable. And betrayal was regarded as routine. All those characters, whether fictional or not, were trying to find themselves and make changes, even though their endeavor or ambition always availed them not. Williams says he has no intention to profile paragon and stereotypical figures, but to showcase the complexity of humans without making any judgment. 
I tend not to find people are good or people are bad because people tend to be both. Everybody has their reasons for doing things. I mean, nowadays in his history textbooks, I mean, you have a sort of inevitable communist rise and the good people were the communist revolutionaries, the socialists at the time, the bad people were the, were the nationalists, whatever. But in fact, it wasn't so. You had idealists on every front. So I think it's a wonderful, in a novel, you don't have to stand on this person's side or that person's side. Fast-paced and tightly written, The Emperor's Bones is a wondrous historical epic flavored with adventure and romance and spiced with a dash of spy story. Thanks to its strikingly grand scenes, evocative language, and richly illustrated characters, the book is hailed as the female version of Dr. Zhivago by the media. But is the Chinese history portrayed in this book accurate or not? The writer gives his answer. History is fantasy, really, because you cannot write real history. Every generation will interpret history in a different way. You always interpret history according to the present. So actually, when you're writing history, you're writing about the world today and our life and what it means. Published in 15 languages, The Emperor's Bones was the number one bestseller on Dong Dong, China's largest online bookstore. That was Stories Wong introducing us to British author Adam Williams' historical epic, The Emperor's Bones, a story set in China in the 1920s. For some writers such as Williams, they seek inspiration from the distant past. Yet, for some wordsmiths, first-hand personal experience is the best writing source. So, after this short break, we'll share with you the story of a Chinese novelist who finds his muse in his hometown. Don't go away. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Welcome back. This is Ink and Quill. Our hometown is not only the place where we are most familiar with. It is also the aggregate of our greatest joy and heartache. No matter how far we advance, how deep we bury our yesterdays, there is no place like home that could evoke such vivid, powerful emotions in our minds. But what happens when our hometown becomes a fading memory? In his latest novel, Spring Breeze, or in Chinese, Wang Chunfeng, Chinese novelist Ge Fei explores the transformation of his hometown in half a century. Let's follow Zhang Wan for more details. Growing up in a riverside village of East China's Jiangsu province, Ge Fei is one of the leading figures in Chinese avant-garde literature. Best known for his Jiangnan trilogy, this Tsinghua University professor has a knack of depicting the vicissitudes of China's countryside. In 2015, the word Miss snatched the prestigious Mao Dun Literature Prize, one of the top awards of its kind. But Ge Fei is far from satisfied. After the success of Jiangnan trilogy, I decided to write something about urban life, since I didn't want to be labeled as a pastoralist all my life. However, one day, my parents asked me to take them to our hometown, which has been deserted for years. Once I stepped on the ruin of our old house, I was shocked. Although the house was demolished into bricks, the nature has rejuvenated its surroundings. The grass grew tall, rabbits haunted in the wild, peach and plum trees were sagging with fruits, while the lotus flowers bloomed in the pond. 
Despite the dilapidation of the village, the land was healing itself. I was so touched. That's why I started to interview villagers and pen down a story. At first glance, Gefei's latest book, Spring Breeze, or Wang Chun Feng in Chinese, does share some similarities with his previous books. Most of his works are set in southern China, and according to well-known book magazine Kirkus, it follows the travails of some likable losers. But for the author himself, Spring Breeze has a more personal and nostalgic touch. The Jiangnan trilogy has nothing to do with me. They are my imaginations about China during the revolutionary era, the transformation of the countryside in Mao Zedong's period, and what happened after Deng Xiaoping launched the opening up policy. But Spring Breeze is different. My heart aches whenever I think about this book, since it exudes with my personal reflections. Set in a fictional hamlet and stretching over the period of nearly 50 years, the story follows the life of Zhao Boyu, a boy who's abandoned by his mother and raised by his fortune teller father. After the sudden suicide of his father, the orphan is forced to depend on his pesky, calculating relatives and becomes a cowherd. Stumbling along in adulthood, he finds out the dark secret of his parents' marriage and gets himself swept away within the mega transformation of the Chinese society. Sounds like a tale of love and darkness by Amos Oz, isn't it? Yet Spring Breeze is not entirely a chronicle of our hapless, mediocre protagonist. As the narrator of the story. Zhao is also an acute, dispassionate observer of the dynamics of the village and its many dwellers. The power relations in the countryside are very complicated. Of course, political entanglement has the greatest impact. The patriarchal system and gender relations are quite important as well. All the uneasiness and problems are semi-public. Adults talk about them in front of kids. Since the village is a small community, news travels fast, no matter how trivial it is. In the eyes of some picky readers, the plot of Spring Breeze might be too fragmented. It seems that the author has no interest to delineate the grand narratives against the backdrop of the ever-changing society. Instead, following Gefei's sprawling yet unfailing beautiful prose, we catch the glimpse of the day-to-day -day drama of some ordinary villagers. From the turbulent affairs of Wang Manqing, a retired prostitute who has a heart of gold, but also the target of jealousy and scandals, to the unlikely rise of Zhao Liping and one's insidious and astute youth despised by the whole village, the ups and downs of over 15 people are unveiled. As we are fascinated by their life stories, we also peel back the layers of myth and changes surround rural China. When asked why his writing focuses on trifles rather than grand history, the author explains. What makes Chinese culture different? Indian culture allows people to reflect on human desire. Christianity uses religion to explain things. Yet in China, we have none of those. The secular world defines who we are and why we exist. Everything is built upon human relations. However, as China strides towards rapid urbanization, these old relations that were once cherished in the countryside are slacking into desolation. 
As time elapses, everything about the town crumbled, just like the character Tang Wenquan once laments. There are over 360 days and nights in a year. These days are just like knives and swords, or rime and snow all over the sky. They chase each other so intensively. Every day, you are driven towards death. When that day comes, when the spring comes to the end, flowers perish and we are old and tired. All return to the dust. In this world, no one would ever know our existence, and no trace would be left. But Gofei refused to let it go. In 2016, Spring Brace was elected as one of the top 10 best books of the year by Shenzhen Reading Month, one of the biggest literary celebrations in China. That was Zhang Wan introducing us to Chinese writer Gofei's novel Spring Breeze, or in Chinese Wang Chunfeng. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. To learn more about us, you can subscribe our podcast by searching the keywords "ink and quill" on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Yang Yong. Talk to you again next week.